Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Welcome. Welcome to With Love and Justice for All. I'm Reverend Kelly Isla with my co-host, Reverend Ogan Holder. And we are having conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, and lots of other um, terminology and learning and vocabulary and education that we all need to learn as we move through this the special challenges that we have here in the U.S., as well as the challenges that arise as spiritual seekers. We don't want to leave out that piece either. Um, Today, we are going to tap into a couple of uh, usual headlines. Actually, we're going to take a minute to talk about um, voting, um, since there is voting um, in several states today, uh, specifically Virginia, New Jersey, but there's other other things at play in re- regarding to our voting system. And um, and we're going to finish up The Some of Us, which is a book written by Heather McGee. Uh, last week, we did The Some of Us Part One. And today, we're going to do The Some of Us Part Two. Um, and if you would like, we are starting tonight for, uh, you can go to projectsanctus.com and register for our 846 book club, which we are starting tonight with this book. So we will cover tonight, we'll cover chapters one and two, and each week we will uh, cover a couple more chapters and just talk more about the book itself. But before we launch into the book and what the book is about, um, hi, Ogan. Hi. What would you like to say? Wait, did you mention what time we're doing the book group? I did not. 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Gotcha. Go to projectsanctus.com. I wasn't really paying attention, so I was like, wait, I don't remember if I heard it or not. No, I'm usually the one asking you. <laughs> I know. See, it Turn takes two. Fair play. Yes, it takes both of us. Exactly. exactly. Um, yeah, uh, I'm I'm doing good. Um, I live in Maryland, so the Virginia governor's race has been all over the local airwaves, um, and it's been interesting because because – um, you know, we've got the the sit-in Democratic governor uh, Terry McAuliffe, and the his opponent running to to replace him is uh, the Republican Glenn Youngkin. And what's been interesting is Youngkin has really, really um, based his not the whole platform, but but he's really connected with especially uh, suburban parents over the issue of critical race theory and he's declared that if he's winning he's going to ban it from being taught in the schools even though it is currently not part of uh virginia's what they call standard of learnings or 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 teaching curriculum so so we're going to ban a thing that isn't already in place um one and two um why why a lot of parents have been have been connecting with him and not just republican parents independent parents uh, even some democratic parents is because of um an interesting i want to say and and i'll be the first to admit it's a it's judgment but it may not be that inaccurate uh contrived controversy around uh that begun began with um a high schooler in english ap class a 17 year old and they had to read like the seminal novel by Toni Morrison, Beloved. Mm. Beloved is not just a novel. It is, it is like when you talk about the, you know, maybe the top 20 novels that define American literature, it's up there. I would put it in the top 10, arguably some would say the top five. It is a powerful, powerful book. It has been standard reading in schools, high schools and colleges for, from the time it's, it was published virtually um and let's be clear it is a it is a challenging read because it's a it's about slave it's not about slavery but a set uh at, at that time and 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 it speaks to some of the horrors and she doesn't pull punches in in how she writes about it so so this you know kid high school 17 year old and he's white and um he was studying this book and one night he had a nightmare he had a nightmare because of what he read in the book and his mother was super concerned and decided to 
try to lobby to get the book pulled from the curriculum because, you know, we shouldn't have our 17-year-olds read books that challenge them in any way. So that happened. And the Democratic governor, Terry McAuliffe, not doing himself any favors, said, yeah, parents should not be involved or have a say in what they're taught in schools. So he's siding with the teachers on this. Now, to to a point, I agree with him as a parent. Yes, I was very um, involved with what my child was learning in school. But not to the point that if something, you know, she struggled with or made her uncomfortable, uh, I, I'm hey. lobbying to get it get it pulled. This is this is the point of education, right? This is the point of especially advanced placement courses. If you're in an advanced yeah. placement course, you're, you're dealing with some heavy. You're dealing with some serious stuff. You're dealing. It's with a, stuff. it's college level. It's college level courses, right? And yep. no, uh, 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 you know, we got parents who who are worried that their high schoolers are reading books that contain you know graphic sexual material and i'm like listen i can guarantee you that your teenager this is not this is not how they learned about sex no it was years before it was probably elementary school you it know was, it was probably the night before in their phone yeah yes yeah <laughs> I mean, right come on. you know this the the um uh it is beloved is a if you have not read it by tony morrison i agree with you 100 percent. read it and it reminds me of uh 20 years earlier when uh, maya angelou published i know why the caged bird sings yeah it's the same it was i remember reading that when i was I was little, like, I don't think I was even into middle school yet. Uh, I might've been 12 and, and disturbed by it, but it was there because it was in my bedroom because my sister, I think was reading it for a class or something. For some reason it was in the house. So I read it and uh, I remember being disturbed. I remember going, Oh my God, I had no idea. I mean, so Here's 20 years later, you know, with it's another it's not they're not exactly the same, but there's the same the same messages, the same, you know, bringing up racism and um, um, and violence and just our disturbing culture. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, and again, kids 17. (laughs) Yeah. Not that he's seven, because when I first heard this story, I was like, is this like a middle schooler? Like. That's no. pretty, that's pretty like advanced reading. For, and then, oh, it's an AP class. Wait, that means the kid's like a high school senior. Right. Um, but anyway, so long story short, this is how that whole hullabaloo got started. So if you are happen to be listening in real time or you hear this episode uh, later today before the polls close and you're in Virginia, especially, please go out and vote. Um, and again, we are, you know, uh, frankly... I care, but I don't care who you vote for. Like, who you vote for, it's up to you. Uh, It's your right to vote for whoever you want to vote for. But voting is your right. And please exercise your right. When you look at developed countries around the world and the involvement when it comes to the stats on voting, we're not doing so well in terms of participation. So please go out and vote. Exercise your right to help create the experience you want to have, regardless of what side of the political line you fall on. Um, I think it's pretty clear by how I explained that story, which side I fall on, <laughs> but I, I'm a hundred percent telling you whoever it is you want to vote for. Uh, uh, it's not for me important. It is important who you vote for, but it's more important that you vote. Um, and, and part of this, part of that is, uh, will lead us into the, some of us, but also before we talk about that, we talk about, uh, voting in this country a little bit and and voting rights, voting restrictions, and how um, in many places the challenges to vote, um, even to this day, stem directly um, uh, or are very um, thinly veiled voter suppression tactics. Um, and, and 
you know, the, the common, the common uh, refrain is like, no, we're trying to protect voting integrity. We're trying to stem voter fraud. Um, um, anybody who can use Google and search voter fraud and the instances and occurrences of it, know it's next. Or to lack thereof. <laughs> right. It's, it's next to non-existent. Yep. Uh, they're they're trying to fix a problem that does not exist or rather one that they continue to uh, fabricate. And I'm not saying that because of any political leanings they have. I'm saying that because there are facts to back that up. And, and in the sum of us, uh, the author talks about how when policies are put in place that are both overtly and covertly meant to target a certain group of people um, in this case, um, minorities um it inadvert inadvertently affects white people as well this is the whole premise of the book it's the idea of of uh, zero zero sum mentality uh if if i allow others to gain that means i will lose but in the process when we stop others from gaining we also prevent ourselves from gaining and the book has great stories of white voters when some of these new um, voter uh, laws like voter ID laws and matching signatures and all the nonsense that they put in place happens, it affects white voters as well. The, 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 the suffering, the, the inability to easily vote affects everyone um, as well. And again, there are countless examples to show, um, and these are facts, <laughs> that that the voter suppression is particularly targeted <clears throat> to certain groups. Um, if you look at where most of these voter suppressions happen, they are in red states. And there was, a, um, if you go back to, I believe in 1965, when we had the Voter Registration Act that um, not just allowed um, black people to vote with with impunity and and got rid of um, a lot of the the quote unquote um, Jim Crow voter restrictions, like poll taxes and all this sort of ridiculousness, um, even when so so that was outlawed. And um, I believe it was twenty help me out here twenty twelve maybe when someone challenged parts of the law and the Supreme Court um, again a conservative majority Supreme Court decided, hey you know what, we got a black president. So it's kind of proof that we've, you know, we really don't need the extent of this voter, uh, this, this voter law, because part of the law was we will pay special attention to and put requirements on the states that have a history of voter suppression. So they were like, hey, we got a black president, we're post-racial, we don't need to worry about this anymore. And the day after those parts of the Voting Rights Act were gutted. Some of those states, Texas, Florida, looking at you, put Georgia. Voter, uh, enacted new voter ID laws that were clearly targeted towards a particular party and a particular group, but made voting harder for everyone. And here we are to this day. Um, if you've not been living under a rock, you know what happened at our last presidential election and the new spate of voter laws that were put in place in some states, Georgia, Texas, looking at you especially, uh, to make it more difficult for people to vote. So... So let me let me pause there for a second because yeah. I want to I want to uh, throw a couple of bits of information into this voting. I mean I don't know how much time we allocated for the for this, but I don't know how many people uh, really um, ha have an understanding of the extent of these. Um, uh, like the voter, uh, the Voter Rights Act of nineteen, Voting Rights Act of nineteen sixty five, and then you just talked about it and how that was dismantled. There's um, there's three other um, laws. Um, well, two of them are are on the uh, um, well, the Freedom to Vote Act that's currently before the Senate is supposed to be this comprehensive package of voting and, you know, to stop the redistricting, the gerrymandering, the campaign finance reforms. And then there's 
the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act that passed in the House, um, but isn't, um, you know, hasn't uh, come, you know, a full circle. Uh, and that's on top of the, um, what is it, for, for the for the right to vote. Oh, there's, a, there's another law before it, before either one of those that um, is, uh, you know, to um, the Freedom to Vote Act. So there's these that there's and, and one is meant to to uphold or restore or uphold the one that came before. And, and the more you the more I, for me, I guess I just need to talk for me, the more I learn and and voting is a um, has impact. The, the right to vote, the capacity, the ability to the access to it has far reaching consequences that I don't know that most of us really understand or can imagine, which is what, you know, in the some of us, the author Heather McGee helps really do really well is to, to show that, you know, the connecting the dots, but I, I don't, but I find it in part um, disturbing in part um you know, just more learning that we have to keep introducing something new, a new act, a new law to uphold something that was kind of in place, maybe yep. not. But each one does, each one is a little bit different, but it's still, it's still, each one is still largely um, about, you know, not, you know, get, uh, trying to prevent the voter suppression, like the way that you, um um, you, you know, to to crack down on intimidating practices, to yep. um, restore rights that that were already there, but apparently we've decided, like you said, um, it, you know, it, it just uh, I, I I'm and, getting and, lost and, in my own thinking. I, I know, and and a great example of how this is still in place. And we use Florida as an example, not picking on you, Florida, but you set yourself up. For yeah. this. Um, Florida actually just um, not recently, I think it was last year, or year before, um, after after a great grassroots roots movement, changed their laws that uh, now ex uh, ex ex imprisoned folk um, can vote. Right. So, you know, in most states, I think almost every state in the country, if you've been imprisoned, you know, you commit a crime, you go to prison to serve your debt to society. But when you get out of prison, apparently your debt's not fully served right. and you lose the right to vote. So right. in Florida, they were like, nope, that's not fair. We're going to change that. So the law was changed so that uh, former prisoners were restored the right to vote. And shortly after this, Florida passed a law that said, OK, but in order to vote, you have to make sure that you have paid every single fine that you owe to the state of Florida. Right. And, and like, there are some that like, it's been a challenge for people to figure out exactly for any given individual, how much that is, what that is, what you owe. I mean, things as ridiculous as like library fines, as long as you owe something now you can't find it is a modern day poll tax. And what we know, of course, is that the vast majority of people who occupy prisons are people of color disproportionately, even right. though, for example, when it comes to like drug crimes, um, people of color and white folk use drugs equally, same amount, same number, but folks of color are disproportionately arrested and imprisoned uh, as a result. So, you know, that's still a thing. So, so when we talk about, for example, so I'm going to sort of bring this back around to where we talk about um, in our spiritual communities, in our spiritual circles, in our spiritual teachings about creating a world that works for all. When we talk about, you know, our fifth unity principle of it's not enough to know these things. We must, we must live them. We must act on them. I think a lot of times we we in uni churches and i will throw myself under the bus as a minister who who spoke in a pulpit for 10 years and did not do a really good job of speaking of this a lot um, again 
it's a big bus. If you want to throw yourself under it with me, come on, come on, come on down. <laughs> but I'm just going to throw myself under the bus. We don't talk about this a lot. We don't, we don't, we don't talk about um, how we can do the actual work in the real world to create the world that works for all. This is why we do the work we do at Project Sanctus around anti-racism, because uh, as as you will discover if you haven't read the some of us yet that so many of the 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 laws and that are in place in the country are are they do have um roots in racism roots in preventing people of color and immigrants not just immigrants of color originally it was originally it was just immigrants um, and then they realize, oh, wait, if we can get the immigrants who look like us, the white immigrants, uh, over to our side, then give them some rights, then, yeah, we, we gonna, we'll get some more folks on our side, too. So, so a lot of these laws ended up being specifically to suppress and remove or hinder uh, rights to people of, of color. And, um, and some of these laws, variations of them, or the way they're executed um, to this day continue to do that. Um, I think last previously, it might have been on the show, it might have been in a book group, I don't know, they're all blurring together. <laughs> I blame COVID. <laughs> they're all blurring together. Blurs day. I think we talked about this last week when we were talking about the Some of Us Part One, uh, when we talked about when we talked about Medicaid expansion, right? Uh, and and how is it's being bluntly refused in 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 select southern states that usually have a vast majority white legislature, um, and and it's no coincidence. But preventing that from happening is also severely um, taking its toll on the white uh, populace as well. So so the. Go ahead. You, you, you want to jump in? Well, I just the, the um, I just as a for instance, right? That that I don't think so. One of these, um, you know, the one of the voter suppression, one of the elements of some of these voter suppression laws that are um, that are uh, have come on board or are trying to be, um, you know, states trying to to enact. Um, and for those that don't know, twenty five states have enacted sixty two laws. Um, that actually expand voting access. But the irony of that is it expands voter access where there's already really good voter access. Yes. Um, but 19 states have, and it might be a little, maybe more than that now, because this was like a month ago, uh, enacted 33 laws that make it harder for Americans to vote. For instance, if you require someone, and I had I went and did some research on this. If you require someone to um, that your 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 ID that you use, or if your mail-in ballot or your piece of paper ballot that you bring in, if it has to be notarized, that means you have to find a notary. And so, what I did is um, is I went and looked. So, where are notaries? Like, who who are notaries, and and how does one become? Like, what's the the domino effect of just something like that? That sounds seemingly innocuous, but it's not. Most of them, uh, two thirds, are white, living in um, um, middle class. I guess well, mostly uh, white communities. Um, most are not living in or available in some of the more rural marginalized communities. Now, and it was some staggering number, like 80, 80 something percent, 80, it was a low 80s, actually work like they're a notary within a private corporation. So how would I even have access? Like, how would I even know where to go or how to gain access? And it just, it, I just, as I was sort of following those breadcrumbs, I'm like, even something that sounds as innocuous as, well, just go get a notary um, is, you know, would have a lot of people potentially going, I'm sorry, what? Like just to um, make it harder. Yeah. So, so um, if you want to really go to a notary banks and UPS stores. Yes. I did not know UPS stores had notaries till today. Coincidentally, I had to go return a package and I walked into the UPS store and there's a big sign that says notary. It's like, well, how about that? I didn't yeah. know. And unfortunately for banks, if it's your bank 
you may be able to get notary services for free. If it's not your bank, you have to, of course, pay. Um, So, yes, you're right. There there are more hurdles that many of us take for granted. Um, So so if you live in a state um, and, and, you know, this is this is a useful exercise, not just if you live in a state, but if you are part of a spiritual community, and let's say, you know, no matter what skin color you are, if there are people in your community who have a different skin color than you are or a different ethnicity than you are, ask yourself, ask yourself, um, do they, will they have exactly the same access that I have to services like that? Right. Because because you walk into your random um, church or community, you'll have people of all economic strata dependent, uh, irre- uh, irregardless. I got to stop using that word. Regardless, <laughs> regardless of of what they look like. Right. So so they, they're all over economic strata, but people in different economic strata have different access. And there is correlation between a person's economic placement in society and the color of the skin. We can talk more about that. We can explore some levels of caste. And the sum of us. You're listening to With Love and Justice for All. We'll be right back. You're listening to With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. All right, welcome back. It is me, Reverend Ogan. I've got Reverend Kelly. We are talking about um, what were we talking about? The we're break talking about voter Voter Rights Act, the Freedom That's to right. Vote Act, the John Lewis. Like, That's right. <clears throat> how many laws do we need to just? Yeah. Yes. There's that. Um, and, and, and this is all part of our exploration of the book, The Some of Us, uh, written by Heather McGee. And the premise of the book is how uh, racism um, affects us all, regardless of our skin color or ethnicity, and what are the ways that we can prosper uh, together. And you said it was a part of the book that really yeah, you wanted to share. Well, it's just, I mean, the whole book, of course, I want to share, but there's this one, um, it's a little bit later in the book, it's, uh, the chapter is titled The Hidden Wound. And I think it's, it, it's really important um, that I always have to be reminded of, uh, as we do, you and I, you know, do our Project Sanctus work and embodied anti-racism work. And especially when I, when it's, uh, can be challenging to talk with, um, white-bodied folks. Um, And keeping in mind that when I say white body, I'm really not trying to be monolithic, that they're all the same, but our culture, our value system is built on white cultural norms. Um, That's not even white culture, it's white-bodied norms. Um, And that and that is the that is the culture. That's the water we all swim in, that we all drink, that's how we've all been socialized. And it and it can be challenging to have these conversations because they can be very activating and and people can get very um, incensed. And and so what Heather McGee says in this chapter that's called The Hidden Wound, I'll just quote her. She says, it's just human nature. We all like to see ourselves as on the side of the heroes in a story. But for white Americans today who are awake to the reality of American racism, that's nearly impossible. That's a moral cost of racism that millions of white people bear and that those of us who've borne every other cost of racism simply don't. It can cause contradictions and justifications, feelings of guilt, shame, projection, resentment, and denial. Ultimately, though, we are all paying for the moral conflict of white Americans. And then uh, right a a little bit after that, she uh, she says, can we swim together in the same pool or not? It's a political question, yes, and one with economic ramifications, but at its core, it's a moral question. Um, So if our country's moral compass is broken, is it any wonder that our economy is adrift? So I just, that question of can we swim together in the same pool or not, and that it really is a a moral understanding, um, who, uh, 
you know, the rules that we abide by and, you know, who, who, um, you know, the expression of this moral understanding uh, is we haven't really had a truth and reconciliation in this country. And in particularly within spiritual communities, what is the, that spiritual communities are designed and consciously or not, but they are very often moral anchors, yeah. like, you know, for our ethics and our morals and, and, and the principles that we live by and how do I express my religion or my spirituality or my well, faith? And, it's, and, and, and that's part of the issue, right? Because they are moral anchors, but the issue is, that many spiritual communities believe that their morality is already above this. Yes. Because they are moral anchors. Yes. So they're like, what do you, what do, what do you mean? You know, we are, we are, we are the place that honors all paths to God. We are the place where everyone is welcome. Right. Um, and, and we allow everyone to be here. We are, we are centered in love. We don't discriminate. We don't, practice racism here we don't we don't we don't everyone so, yes everyone's welcome we're all inclusive uh yeah right exactly we're all one exactly. what we're all one and we're all, we're you're being divisive right right so 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 what we're saying is is that yes and right there's there's the yes that is the intention that spiritual community set and to the point we've always been making when we're all swimming in this water, we don't realize the water's there too. Yeah. Right. In, in very in subtle and in some cases, not so subtle ways. And it takes a great measure of humility, a mm. great measure of, of awakened consciousness to look at yourself and ask those questions and hear what, not just us, but, many others have been saying in terms of of yes this exists in communities too why because communities are made up of people yeah. it's not like you walk through the it's not like you work walk through the church doors and there's like uh you know i'm watching a sci, uh, sci-fi show on netflix now we'll call another life and they're on a spaceship and when when they come back from a planet or they've been spacewalking uh when they enter the the ship um, before they go to the main part, there's like this like tiny like decontamination room where they're sprayed with chemicals and radiation and all sorts of weird things to kill any anything they might have brought in with them so they don't contaminate the rest of the ship. When we walk through the church doors, it doesn't work like that, right? right. There's no decontamination corridor. We bring in with <laughs> us all of our all of our all of our prejudices. Um, conscious or unconscious, we bring in all of our biases as well. We bring those things with us. And yes, the 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 uh, our communities are, if we're doing it well, are uh, should be challenging us to look at them, as opposed to creating space that just makes us feel comfortable, right? So so that's yeah. And if you're and if your life experience and your trajectory and how you've been pretty much moving through the world is that the system works pretty okay, not perfectly, but, yeah. you know, pretty okay. Like if you do the right things, then, you know, the right things come your way, then it's easy to like, how come there's all these whole groups of people that can't seem to do better for themselves, you know, yeah. or, or, you know, down on themselves or playing the victim or, you know, just there's um, nobody wants to be the villain. Um, so there are all the justifications, like in spiritual communities, for why your view, because the system seems to pretty work work pretty good for you, and why that view is morally right, which is yep. a little morally arrogant, but and spiritually arrogant. Yes, yes, as, as well. How about just well, arrogant in general? <laughs> well, there's, there's that. There's, yeah. there's 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 that. Um, so so it does it does take some work and some wellness and, 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 um, I am, I am very heartened as I look at the spiritual communities who have decided, you know what, we're going to take this work on, um, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to do it. It's challenging. It's difficult. You know, we started it and we've had some bumps along the way, but we're not giving up. We're going to, yeah. we're going to push forward and we know there are people within our community who don't want to do this and they're pushing back, but we're, we're very clear. We're going to, we're going to stick with it. And, and there are some communities out there like that. And, and I applaud you and, yes. and, and 
however we can support you. We want to be here for you in, in, in doing that. It's going to be challenging work um, and difficult work and, and uncomfortable work. And as we often say, it's, it's in discomfort uh, where, where growth happens. Um, so, so we got, we got about 10, 15 minutes left and you were right. There probably isn't enough time. For us. I should listen. Ogan, take a note. Listen when Reverend Kelly says, yeah, we don't have time for all this. Well, good thing we have other Tuesdays coming along, but we can certainly, you know, point out a few of the things we want to talk about with good this thing. caste but, system. Yeah. But so let's touch on it. Let's 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 touch on it because what goes along with this is yes, because of because of systemic uh, and endemic racism, um, there there's there's been uh, layers of caste levels of caste created here in the U.S. Um, primarily from an economic uh, point of view, but it again disproportionately affects uh, people of color. Yeah. yeah. So. Um... It's a hierarchy. So the, the mind, the brain, the are where we live likes to put things in into hierarchy. And so people are just we are within it. And even within white bodies, there's a hierarchy within that. Within bodies of color, there's a hierarchy within that. So one of the one of the um, elements, uh, or is Isabel Wilkerson Wilkerson from the book Cast calls it their pillars, these pillars of the caste system. And so one of them is that is the very first one she talks about is is divine will and the laws of nature. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't touch on that one. Yeah. Um, since we you know talk about spiritual communities and largely our work is with spiritual communities. And and so divine will and the laws of nature is the belief that um you know, our positions in life are governed by a higher power and that, um, and that we are, um, you know, that there's this sort of divine will and laws of nature at work. Um, and we have, and, and while in unity, it may not be necessarily consciously, you know, or spoken outright, um, but there is an unexamined, unconscious belief um, that, that has persisted uh, throughout that there's some sort of, you know, divine plan or this, this, um, you know, divine will that there's these laws of nature, um, which is, which is, uh, you know, it'd be hard for me to, you know, confess that one. And it comes back to what I just said before about that justification. Nobody wants to be the villain. So, you know, I, that can't be what's at play. So um, I'm, you know, be that moral, you know, kind of arrogance. Um, yeah. So I don't, um, you know, while I personally don't find a divine will at play, I also, if we look at the roots of, um, you know, slavery more than 400 years ago, enslaved Africans, you know, coming to the U.S., um, there's, you know, the proclamation is that this is the, the law of nature and the law of God and, um, and just has been perpetuated for centuries. Yeah. And, and even though I would say, um, not, not as much now, uh, right. I don't, um, so, so we've, we've definitely made a little progress on that one, but, um, in terms of using the Bible to to support the idea of of enslaving people, because you know you read the Bible, there's a lot of that, um, and also the more more specifically the passage around the uh, curse of Ham, one of Noah's sons, right. somehow you know that uh, that that some someone <laughs> somewhere <laughs> decided to turn that story into oh yeah. Uh, all, all you black folk, you are descendants of Am, who was cursed by Noah. Um, witches, witches, you know. Listen, I hate, I hate. Sorry, hate is a strong word. I don't, I don't like giving credit to, to, to evil ideas. But if they're evil genius ideas, there's a part of me that goes like, that was actually a genius evil idea. Like, there's part of me is impressed that someone decided let's let's take this. <laughs> that has absolutely no provability, no bearing in fact or anything and use it in this way. And then just billions of people believe it. It's fascinating. 
from a from a from a like an anthropological anthropological point of view that that this happened. But but that's that's how that that rolled in as well. And and how we and to your point again, how we sort of like perpetuate that is also by sometimes saying, um, you know, in unity we like to say we 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 misuse or misunderstand that concept. Uh, it's all in divine order. So as, as someone's yes. life is playing out in a way where they may be struggling, <laughs> really struggling because of all the hurdles that they have, extra hurdles they have to jump through because of of the systemic racism roadblocks in their that are in their way you know how often do we say yeah this isn't this is divine order uh let's 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 uh invite you to to affirm your way um past these or what are you holding in your consciousness that these roadblocks keep popping up in your life um it's very it's, subtle it, it, it's very and, subtle insidious really is it's yes, subtle yes. insidious to say, just to relinquish something and go, well, it's all in divine order. Like the the intent, it's that intent impact thing. Yes, yes, like yes, when yes. you say it's all in divine order, like then some God is, I'm some marionette, I'm a puppet, you know, and then it's must be divine order that I'm experiencing, you know, oppression and, um, and violence and lynchings yes, yes. and, 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 and. And, um, and 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 it doesn't mean the principles aren't true. It doesn't right. mean the principles don't 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 uh, aren't that you can't apply the principles uh, to your life. However, however, it's not enough to do that. You right. One has to look at wait what what no these these obstacles and hurdles are not of my doing. Right. Uh, at at all, um, they were they were in place before I showed up. <laughs> Yeah, well, even the idea that, well, you know, well, this experience is here to teach you. Uh, Okay, I didn't really sign up for that lesson. (laughs) And do I deserve to be learning this lesson of racism? Can I get a transfer to another class, please? Yes. Yeah. And there's just, yeah, so that's, um, I need to move off that pillar because it gets me worked up. But, but it, but in spiritual communities, there's just, you know, particularly in some, in new thought and not just new thought, there's these statements and these ideas that really um, perpetuate um racist yes yes and 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 some of the feedback we get sometimes is that uh when we say things like this we're being critical of new thought and not and not really honoring the principles to which i say yes we are being critical of new thought yes we are honoring the principles and and if we if the the only way the only uh what am i trying to say here criticism is not a bad thing right um because one has to be self-reflective one has to be able to say hold on i know you're saying this is what this is about but this is not my experience and then when i say that you say to me well you determine your experience wait a minute right there's there is that's 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 not wholly true um, right. in, in terms of that so so yes you're responsible for your reality right right <laughs> um yes uh yes and <laughs> yes. you are and you are and uh you are not the one who created everything that's happening outside of you that's not how this works yeah you know it's more about you are you are accountable and responsible for how you respond in the midst of what's going on around you oh by the way what's going on around me is uh disproportionately intended to disenfranchise me maybe we can do something about that too it's not an either or it's a it's a both and um so uh what other what other pillar we want to look at here in like, well in like I, I, one or two more yeah the um um i guess the one about uh the dehumanization and the stigma okay. um, which is uh it's pillar for uh again in the book by isabel wilkerson is cast uh, pillar number six in the book cast but this is one of those that i think also that uh heather mcgee really unpacks very well in um the sum of us because it's it's um the, it's a constant reminder that um it, that there's always this there's someone to dehumanize it's just a con or maybe it's a constant reminder that that um yeah, that that's that that's uh, what we're doing. Um, yeah. 
and it just keeps it going. It's a constant reminder that the lower castes, uh, not seen as human, um, period. Um, right. And you're, and, and, you're, and sorry, go ahead. At, I was going to say, and you're probably, if you're listening, you're probably saying like, wait a minute, like nobody doesn't see anybody as not human anymore. Like that happened back in the days of slavery and we know that, but nobody does that anymore. And, and my response to that is mm, maybe not overtly, right? But it still, it still shows up. So for example, um, um, there's uh, one of the chapters in the book, she talks about unions hmm. and the efforts to of of leaders of corporations to not allow their workers to unionize because when you unionize then the workers at the lowest level of the company have bargaining power when they have bargaining power they can lobby for more pay more more rights more health care more more basic standards of living uh all those sorts of things when you are um, in a position of authority and you're saying that you know you're in you in the glass office and you're saying the workers on the floor of your warehouse your your company your assembly plant or whatever are not entitled to the same health care that you get or the same vacation days that you get or even the same or or a good proportional rate of pay that you get what you're saying is that they are entitled to less than they are worth less than you are. You have dehumanized them. Right. So no one's coming out saying you are, you are not as human as I am, but when you say you don't deserve the same that I deserve, then what you're basically saying is you are worth less than I am. And that is a form of dehumanization. Yes. Right. And 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 this really comes to mind, you know, when we see um, right now, you know, the president, the Democrats are trying to get this big infrastructure bill passed, the big uh, um, um, what's the other bill? Build, the, build the, back the safety America. net bill. Yeah. The build back yeah. better plan. And one of the big things that's in there, which who knows if it's actually still going to show up now is like paid family leave um, and um, and and. Um, I think free childcare is, is still in there now. Like every day there's something coming, there's something going. Um, but, um, and, and, and even greater expansions of, of healthcare, uh, benefits and stuff. And it's always fascinating, like these senators, regardless of what party they're in, these senators have some of the best healthcare provided for them in the country. Like they don't have to worry about it. But when when they sit and say that the rest of us deserve less than what they're getting, what they're saying is we are worth less. Yep. There's a dehumanization going going on there, um, and and it just it just it just floors me every time that we keep reelecting these folks, and and this is part of why many of us get. Um, you know, desensitized to the whole thing. And we don't, we don't go to vote. And again, throwing myself under the bus, <laughs> again, big bus, lots of room under there. Uh, I, I've, I, I am an immigrant and I did not um, vote on anything or become a citizen to vote until this last uh, presidential election cycle. Mm. Because for this very reason, I'm like, what's the point of voting, right? Uh, because there, no, nothing's going to change. No right. one's going to do anything great that's going to benefit me. It's all about, you know, making sure that they appease the corporations and the big donors. So what's what's the point? And it was my daughter, what's the good book say, and a child shall lead them. My daughter, when she just turning 18 and I was getting on her to make sure she's registered to vote, she's like, uh, I am sorry, but you've lived in this country for how long? And you've not done anything to to change with your vote, and you're putting the pressure on me to Ooh. vote. You know, there's a word for that. And I was like, oh damn, oh damn. There's probably more than one, but I'm yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But she called me out, and she was a hundred percent right. Yeah. You know, I was sitting there bemoaning, complaining, but then saying to her, "You're a citizen. It is your right to go and vote and change." And she, so, 
So I did it. I got off my butt and became a citizen and and was able to vote. And I'm 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 very clear that this is this is and and in many ways, again, not born here, but still in many ways, me not voting was dishonoring all the struggle, the work, the lives that were that were lost in order to for the right for someone who looks like me to vote. Right. And someone who wasn't born here to have a saying in the experience here as well. So so Well, so. even the even the some of the um um the the laws that have been passed. So coming back to the voting thing, that mm-hmm. even the imposing some of the some of the laws that have already been passed within some states where if I they so they've restricted um, access to to voting. So let's say a um, I have a mail in ballot, but you're allowed to hand deliver it like you could drop it off at a voting place. Yep. However, the restriction, one of the restrictions, and I, I couldn't tell you which state, a few states, is if the person can't get it there, I'm not allowed to drive it for them. Exactly. So what I'm telling the person that's voting is you don't count. You're not worth your vote is not worth as much, yeah. which means you're not worth. Exactly. Exactly. And what's also hilarious, no names called, no fingers pointed, but when they actually find instances of voter fraud, it's usually the same party that put the laws in place. In the I, know. Place. I know. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah. There was just a story about a man, I believe it was in Texas. Um, and I could be wrong on this. I like picking on Texas and Florida. Uh, but he's like, yeah, voter fraud is a real thing. Somebody voted in my dead wife's name. And they looked into it, and it was him who did it. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, you know. Well, even I won't, Danny... I, won't tell you what, I won't tell you what party he belonged to, but the color of the party rhymes with head. <laughs> Probably rhymes with bed. Probably rhymes with bed. Yeah, I'm doing well, that confidentiality and then the one, thing we talked about. <laughs> I know we have you know 30 seconds left, but the the one that really is is you know that uh, right now I believe is just in Florida and Georgia, but you can't give people snacks or water if they're waiting yeah. in line to vote. Yeah. I mean, really, if that's not dehumanizing, what? What is? Really? What is? So so. Um, in our last remaining seconds, again, we remind you, if you're listening live on Tuesday or you hear this before polls close, wherever you live today, after oh. the elections happen in your state, go vote. I know there are governor races. There's some mayoral races. Please exercise your right. Please vote. Help create a world of love, justice and equity for all. That's all we got for today. We will see you next week.